0: Hello everyone and welcome to a special replay episode of the Collective Impact Forum podcast. Here to share resources to support social change makers working on cross-sector collaboration. Since it's a holiday time right now for many folks in the US, and you might be like me, listening to podcasts while cooking. During holiday weeks, like Thanksgiving this week and the upcoming winter break, we want to take a moment and reshare past episodes. In case there's a good story you missed, or you may want to re-listen to. In this replay, we're sharing an episode from 2022 that focused on embedding parent engagement into collaborative work. In this powerful discussion, we learned about the parent engagement work of Child Safety Forward in Hartford, Connecticut, which is one of five demonstration sites for the federal demonstration initiative Child Safety Forward that is ending in 2023. In this discussion from last year, we learned about how the Hartford Project worked with parents to become more comfortable owning and exercising their power, all in service of building a child and family well-being system where child protection agencies, community partners, neighbors, and families share a responsibility to ensure children thrive. Joining this discussion was Shavon Campbell and Regina Dayan of Child Safety Forward, and parent advocates Georgina Fuentes and Kayla Waters. Collective Impact Forum Executive Director, Jennifer Splansky-Jester, provides a short introduction and framing for the chat. Just a heads up, Jen's audio in her short intro is not the best, but we recommend powering through to the full discussion as it's a wonderful listen. Let's tune in.
1: I'm Jennifer Splansky-Jester, Executive Director of the Forum, and I am delighted to be with you today. Today, we are in for a real treat. We are joined by four incredible leaders from an initiative in Hartford, Connecticut known as Child Safety Forward. In October 2019, the U.S. Department of Justice, Office of Justice Programs, Office of Victims of Crime launched Child Safety Forward, a three-year demonstration initiative to address serious or near-death injuries as a result of child abuse and neglect and to reduce the number of child fatalities. These There are five sites across the country taking an approach to this work that will build a child and family well-being system where child protection agencies, community partners, families, and neighbors share a responsibility to ensure children thrive. The core areas of work that have emerged across child safety forward sites include the elevation of families into relationships of equal power, and that will be the focus of our conversation today. Uh, For the sake of uh, breadth, I will just name the other two areas of focus that the initiatives have elevated, and that is uh, really taking intentional strategies to systematically assess and address racism and sustain communication strategies. And as I said, we are delighted today to be joined by one of the five sites, Child Safety Forward Hartford. And in today's conversation, we're going to go into a deep dive on the parent engagement piece of their work. Today's conversation will be moderated by the Child Safety Forward's project coordinator, Siobhan Campbell. I'm going to hand it to Siobhan, who will introduce today's discussion participants.
2: Uh, Hello everybody. Uh, So I'm going to introduce myself a little bit so everyone knows uh, who I am and then I'll go around and uh, introduce the rest of uh, everyone that's going to be on uh, today's session. Uh, So I I was actually raised by a single mom, 17, uh, born in Jamaica, came over here when I was four years old, uh, kind of been raised in Hartford, the Hartford area, uh, for about 20 plus years, uh, but went to school, uh, high school in Hartford, went to uh undergrad in hartford and grad school in hartford so this is uh and, and then raised by a single mom again so all of this kind of is near and dear to my heart uh but i would love to introduce the rest of our speakers today uh i'll start off with uh regina and then we'll go over to our parents
3: Hey, hi i'm regina dighton and i am what's known as the principal investigator for this project and other words i guess i'm supposed to guide it and i'll just Leave it at that.
2: Awesome, Caleb.
4: All right. Hello. I am Kayla Waters. Uh 34, born and raised in Hartford. Um, been advocating <laughs> for the past what 20 about well, for the past 20 something years now. Um, I do I not only do volunteer work for programs like this. I also do I advocate for the schools um, for budgeting, for whatever you want to call it, you know, activities, you know, having more room or needing another facility, things like that. I go over and beyond to the legislative building and I can't wait to get back in there. Um, I also work with uh, children. Voluntarily on the low, different ages, um, system pretty much with basically basic life skills. Um, The little girl that went missing on Barber Street just a few weeks ago, you know, I'm working with them. um, Just seeing what I can do to help with any of the services that I can provide to them through all the community partners and activity, you know, people that I'm with. Uh, What else do I do? Oh, wow. I went to Buckley. Hmm. In a nutshell. Oh, yeah. Main reason. All right. So I'm mainly here because I did lose a child. And this program actually guided me into this. So I'm here. I'm here,
3: y'all.
5: Hi, good morning, good afternoon. My name is Georgina Fuentes. I'm a 46 year old single mom to a transgender boy. And um, I was really, um, this is dear to me because I always said anything that's going to be good for my child and other children's future, I'm all for it. I am also in recovery, coming up on my 11th year. Hopefully, God will in next month. Um, and I um, joined this group. I was asked about it, and I once they said about having safety for children is what mainly um, got to me. I take this really serious, and I take it to the heart because um, I would like to avoid all the children, especially my own, not to go through the same path that I had to go through and because um, I don't want my child or any other child to be another statistic. trying to avoid the statistics you know i want us to be better and um anything else that needs to be i'm an advocate for a person that has a mental illness and a drug addiction i'm also an advocate certified advocate for a person that does methadone and um anything else we need to know i can answer any questions down the line thank you
2: awesome and uh regina and i uh are uh we work on the project um but uh, I just want to say that our parents are honestly the superheroes of our project, because they just bring so much wealth of experience. And, uh, and honestly, they allow it to, to be realistic. They allow it not to just be theory, but to actually be more practical. Uh, so with that being said, uh, Regina, I'm going to ask you one of her questions. And uh, my first question for you is, uh, would you please tell us about the Child Safety Forward Project in Hartford, and kind of what are the goals of the project itself?
3: Certainly. So focused on the area of parent engagement, in Hartford, the project has a few underlying tenets. And one is that you plan with people, never for people. Mm -hmm. The other tenet is the people closest to the problem are the people closest to the solution. So the method is really to combine community organizing with research, you know, data collection, um, and service provision and education in order to increase the power that is the influence of parents in how other parents are educated advocated for and motivated to make changes in their community and those changes we want to see those changes on both the micro and the macro level so yes we want to see changes in how parents parents and respond and do things within the family but we also want to see changes in the community level and at the institutional level so yeah, we decided that we were not only going to look at reasons that children are unsafe because of neglect and abuse, but we also want to look at the environmental community factors, from everything from you know gun violence to accidents to you know car accidents due to um, you know lack of child car safety seats, um, to yeah things that may go on in the school or the police, anywhere.
2: Thanks. And and how, I guess, how have we done that? How have you done that? How have we approached uh, parent engagement work uh, to kind of meet those goals? What was our process?
3: We've engaged that through starting with asking parents um, through focus groups and just listening at meetings. First, we started with focus groups, asking them, you know, what their issues are, what do they see? as barriers to child safety. And that's where the project started based upon the things that they told us. And the main thing they told us was that parents aren't even exposed to the education and resources that are available for the most part until someone suspects that they've neglected or abused their child. Then we find you know, Child Protective Services stepping forth and saying, you must go to this class to learn how to do so-and-so. And a group of parents said, why don't we proactively have education available to us on these range of topics that things that could make our children safer or less safe before someone suspects that we've done something wrong. That's been the main method. Based upon that, parents came up with a list of about a dozen topics they wanted to learn about. And Siobhan and I worked with the parents to bring in educators, speakers, resources, printed material on those topics. Parents are learning them as they're learning them. They're sharing actively with people in their community. And we are working on putting together an educational training guide so that we will train trainers, all of whom will be parents, to train their peers in the community.
2: Thank you. And I I love that. And I heard you mention that uh, you said we we kind of started with focus groups. And then I guess where else do the parents come from? If they're not coming from focus groups, how how else did we kind of form? Oh,
3: okay. Uh, Really, it's spreading the word and based on, on relationships. So we've had a good relationship with an organization called Hartford Parent University, for instance and uh, Hartford Parent University is just that, parents uh, who have children in Hartford Public Schools, uh, they've referred and sent a number of of people to us. Some people came from uh, St. Francis Hospital where the program is housed from their OBGYN unit. Uh, their social workers referred some people and then after that it was word of mouth. Awesome. Thank you.
2: And how does this connect with like uh, or how does this connect with and inform uh, other working groups and stakeholders involved in child safety forward?
3: Ah, this is great. I think one of the goals, I guess what I didn't mention, is to have parents inform state agencies and providers of what supports actions and so forth they need. From them in order to help. And I don't mean this in a rude way, but it relates to like the data work group, uh, the physicians, you know, the pediatricians, the uh, data people from child protection and so forth. A big point is this is to have them truly behave as public servants. Mm-hmm. They're often seen as authorities over parents, but their purpose, indeed our purpose, is to be public servants and to be saying to them, how may I help you, rather than dictating, this is what you should do. So I know that's a very different and sometimes difficult approach.
2: Thank you. And I love that because you uh, you're mentioning shifting power, uh, which is like a core concept in, in the parent engagement um, uh, work group. And uh, with that being said, let's uh, let's talk to our parents. So, uh, parents, um, why why are you a part of the Child Safety Forward uh, Parent Engagement Work Group? I know you said why you joined it. Why are you still a part of it?
4: I'll go first. So I'm still a part of this because. <laughs> As I always um, join things, join um, organizations and other businesses and things like that, I want to see the prosper. I want to see the growth and I want to see the solution to it all. Um, And when it comes down to these kids, our kids, you know what I'm saying? I would like for them to know that they have a voice, for them to know that they do have the power and that they can change Just about every and anything, as long as you keep the faith and you keep the positivity. And yeah, yeah, that's why I'm still here. I enjoy the group. I don't have a problem.
5: I love the group.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Georgina? What is your experience? What is the experience?
5: Well, um, I was asked about to join the group by my son's um, clinician. And um, the reason why I'm still here is because. I've learned, I'm still learning quite a few things that I didn't know before, and I also could share my experience, strength, and hope that I've been in in life, and um, I'm very passionate, and um, I'm very emotional when it comes down to helping our children, you know, not just my child, but his friends and the people in in my community, my neighbors, children, I, you know. It's like they say back in the day when I was growing up, it takes a village to raise a child, and Mm -hmm. I stand really, really hard for that, you know? Mm -hmm. I would like to see, and I would like to continue helping the next, you know, because the children, our children is and will be our future, and if we can help them now, it can help them down the line so they can understand, Like, like Kayla said, that they got a voice, and I always told my child that his Feelings are valid Mm -hmm. and his voice is valid, Mm -hmm. that he can speak up what he feels when he feels it. And as long as it's honest and respectful, that he can go ahead and speak it. And then, you know, he can share what I teach him, he shares with his friends. And that's another reason why I enjoy the group and I'm still here because I noticed that when I tell my child about something safety and something positive and good, and he has a friend that's struggling. He comes and he asked me for advice on what to do or what to say to his friend. Mm-hmm. And it seems that I'm proud of my kid, you know, because when I was growing up, I didn't have that. I didn't have a, a, a positive and safe net, you know. So me being able to do this for my child and other children in this world. I would like to benefit from it, you know, and I would like to, like, I, before I leave this world, I want to be known for change. It's all about change.
2: Awesome. And I love that. I I will say. Uh, Kayla and Georgina are probably two of our most passionate parents. Um, <laughs> and I love it. And we're we're going to talk about that a little bit because um, I, 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 I want to <laughs> I, <didn't know. laughs> <laughs> I want to
3: uh, go back if I could just a second. Oh, please. Um because yeah Georgina said her uh you know son's clinician recommend I reached out uh to her son's clinician because I we wanted to be sure that we have parents that represented all kinds of children, and this really does. Mm-hmm. We have parents living with disabilities, parents mm-hmm. of children with disabilities. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure transgender and LGBT you know uh, <clears throat> parents or parents of children um, with different gender identities and sexual orientations, okay. as well as you know various cultural backgrounds, mm-hmm. were represented. And we've done, we've done well on that. That's, that's really important. And in the other parts of the project, like on the data collection, you know, we were very uh, purposeful in making sure mm-hmm. we talked to people from marginalized communities.
2: Yeah. yeah. And even when we were trying to form the group, that was the other thing. We would talk to the group members about, like, who else should we be having in our group? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what areas should we be targeting in Hartford, too? Because that was another thing. Uh, that we were discussing. So that's great. Uh, and to kind of continue on this uh, kind of frame of thought, what do you think has worked well with the parents so far? What do you think are, are some amazing things about the group that has gone well?
5: I, for one, meeting others, you know, that's in a positive um, path as I am on. Um, instead of always being around the negativity and the bad things in my past, I, at least now I've met people and I've known one of the parents for a while, but I've met other parents that are dealing with similar situations as I. So I really, really don't feel, you know, alone, you know, because being a single mom, mm-hmm. having a biracial child. I know that's struggling with his own identity and, um, Sometimes it's scary, mm-hmm. it's lonely and um that's why I'm so passionate. Breathe it out. You know, I'm a very sensitive and emotional person. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to children, since I didn't have that positive handout, I wanna make sure that I, I break that cycle.
3: Thank you, Georgina.
4: Oh snap! Is my <laughs> <laughs> Georgina giving all heartfelt stories and stuff? I'm I'm I gotta, I I gotta try my best to top this stuff. Just joking. Um So, <laughs> for this group, we have had our ups and downs, but within our ups and downs, we all agree on the same thing, which is to push this movement forward, not just for. Ourselves, but for other families and for our kids, um I can literally say that meeting all these different people, I've either seen them one on t v and I'm like one day I'm gonna meet them today is the day,
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so coming to this program that's a, it was a really enlightening um conversations, and i I just love every parent. On the scene, you know, and that's willing to
3: do what we do. I think some of the successes, I want to add some successes to that, is parents sharing information, mm-hmm. really actively sharing information. So, yeah. you know, for instance, one member uh met a, another group of parents at the library, began talking to them, mm-hmm. and regularly meets with them to share what we're meeting. So even though we're not to that point yet in our work plan, Uh Mm -hmm. parents have taken it upon themselves to all do this. And also some of the things we've learned, I think have such great value to Uh to the field. And so, for instance, some of them um, around cultural stuff, one of our members, who um, was born in Jamaica, was telling us that the medical professionals where she's from instruct them to lay a baby on its side, you know, or um, mm-hmm. I think on the side. And so, I mean, that's one thing we we didn't know when I say we I don't mean just those of us in St. Francis, yeah. mm-hmm. that this is important learning that now you're asking someone basically to not believe what the professionals in their country of origin told them, to throw that away and, you know, then believe people who are essentially strangers, Americans who are other. So that's something to be, you know, to be dealt with. I've always thought... You can't start trying to teach people what to do or instruct them in any way or influence them until you already know what they believe, mm-hmm. what they feel. Yes. And so, I mean, that's just one example, but we've learned a lot. And I think that's a, a huge success in terms of learning people's perceptions, beliefs, mm-hmm. and hearing about their, how they experience things. Ah, The other I will mention is that they get conflicting advice within hospital staff Mm -hmm. uh, that lactation uh, guides, teachers or whatever, say it's fine to sleep with your baby. Within the same hospitals, people have said one department said sleep with your baby. It's good. Mm -hmm. And then another department said don't. Mm Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, and, um, and that's great. I think there's so many lessons learned. I, I'd love to talk a little bit more about it. Um, so one of the one of the purposes of the Parent Engagement Work Group, too, was to create an educational guide
3: mm-hmm. and to
2: have different experts in, in the field. Regina mentioned this earlier from, from multiple different topics, uh, like sexual abuse, um, like mental health. I think those are the two mm-hmm. ones that stand out to me the most, um, because I feel like whenever we brought that up, it was not only a time for education and questions but also a time for healing, too. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we heard consistently was, I didn't know we had that. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. know we had this resource. Yes. Can, can you guys talk about a little bit about that?
5: Um, see, me being a sexual assaulted victim, well, survivor. I don't consider myself a victim anymore, no matter how many flashbacks I get. But I'm a survivor. But um, some of the things I've... I've learned throughout the years, and then knowing what's been taught in this group was like, wow, how other cultural beliefs is not so different Mm
1: -hmm. the way
5: some people make it seem, Mm
1: -hmm.
5: you know, um, how it's uncomfortable but it's okay to talk about it because that person is not going to be alone and if we need advice or any suggestions we get it from each other you know and I noticed that um having professionals come in and teach us different tactics or different information helps us out with the healing process as well Also, awesome. I got lost. Oh, <laughs> My <man. laughs> bad. it's not also with me. It's not only sexual, and it's not only what was the other one?
2: Mental health. Mental health. Mm-hmm.
5: But it's all the above, which comes in domestic violence survivor. Mm-hmm. I've been in a little bit. of For me to be still so young, because I'm still young even though I'm almost 50, <laughs> but everything I've experienced, I experienced it so young that now being older, I would like to break that cycle with other people and other children and other parents, you know, mm-hmm. and not to be silent anymore. Cause that's mm-hmm. the main thing. A lot of us victims got gotten threatened Don't say nothing or I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt your parents Mm. or whatever. And then we get that in our head and we start being scared. But I broke that cycle with my child. When my child spoke up, the first thing I did was call 911. So, you know, it's a lot of things you learn in this group, but then there's a lot of things you can give out in this
3: group as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Responding to People say it. I never heard about that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Existed.
4: So I didn't know anything about this program or many other programs um, and say I'm so in the community. I don't know how I miss certain things. But um, as far as advertisement and marketing and things like that, it has not been. Um, it has been taken a step back. Uh, that's why a lot of us don't know where anything is or who to talk to because a lot of the times when you do talk to somebody, you know, that person pretty much puts you in a bad spot. So you, for me, I've experienced that and I know that other people have experienced wrong information and it is, it's not a good thing, but we are all working on it. So within this group, yeah, we may not have heard about it, um, but we all are willing to take advice from one another and do the research um, on our own when we can and to see what actually applies to us. And if it doesn't apply to us, how does it apply to someone else that we do know?
3: Mm-hmm. I want to say, repeat something that Anton, Antoine told us who couldn't mm-hmm. do this today. You know, he would often say, oh my God, I never heard of that. Never heard of <laughs> yep. that. yep <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let us know that um, He's a single father of four children. Uh, His oldest child has autism. And, you know, he once said, I never heard of any of these things that could really help my family. Mm -hmm. And perhaps if I had, if somebody suspected I was a bad father, right,
0: they would have
3: called DCF. And then DCF would have told me where I had to go to get help. Mm -hmm. And then help comes and it's seen as a punishment. And so he's been great in talking to, you know, other men. Yes. he was talking about sharing information and resources at the bar. Mm -hmm. And sadly, one of the responses he got from his peers was, and they let a brother like you in? So that's another thing. learn that there's this perception out there that Mm -hmm. you need three degrees in a suit or whatever. Yes. So to, to sit with these stakeholders or to even get this information or that this is something... Somehow inside, you know, that belongs in a protected class of society or something. Uh, And so this piece of, you know, the parent plan for using their educational guide out in communities is huge. Uh, Because, no, learning shouldn't be seen as a punishment. Do this or you'll lose your kids. Yeah. To get to people before there's anything that rises to that level. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that because one of the things that uh, we keep talking about is kind of like there's this disconnect from the services that you want to get versus like what the community knows about. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of the ways to bridge that gap was the educational guide, because the purpose was to have the parents go out and teach their community. Uh, one, because sometimes there could be like a lack of trust within mm-hmm. an institution or within an organization. Uh, so to hear the information from people that have experienced it is it's powerful. I think like uh, Georgina in one of our meetings, that's why I say she's passionate. In almost every meeting, she's like, listen, how can I get more support in this area? Mm-hmm. And then who can I tell in this area? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's one of the things that I love about this group that has worked well so far is. All of them have a passion of like, no, we got to change this because we were affected by it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's what shifting power is a lot about. Yes, the people that are affected are sharing. Um, so kind of shifting gears a little bit, but not too much. What are some challenges that we faced, or uh, it wasn't what ex- exactly we were hoping for when it comes to the parent engagement group?
5: I'm sorry, what do you mean by that? Like, what are
2: some challenges that we faced or seen in the parent engagement group? Um. So basically, when you join the group, is there any area that you felt like, oh, this isn't what I expected? Or when you're learning information, did you feel like, wow, this isn't what I was hoping for? I was hoping for something more. I was hoping that this group would be something different, et cetera, something along those lines.
5: Well, I mean, everywhere and anywhere, when you join a group with diversity people and all types of ethnic backgrounds and different religion or different um, beliefs, you're going to have your negatives and your positives. You're going to have your good and your bad days. You know, it's just, it's like they say in the NA meetings, you take what you need and leave the rest. Uh And that's what I do. I take Uh what I need. I leave the rest. But I also try to give something back that was freely given to me. Uh You know, and it's like, um, there's times that I get upset with certain people because either they're not being respectful, but then again, we all different. So we got to, um, take the ba- the good and mm-hmm. outweigh the bad. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not always going to be peaches and cream all the time. And there's going to always have different opinions and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay too, because, um, if we was all the same, we'd be bumping heads all day and nothing will really be done, you know? But if you put different, all different types of whatever it's being taught or learned or shown, that that's the best thing to do is just take all the, um everything that's in that pot and just work hard for it. So
4: as I said earlier, yes, we do have highs and lows. Um, Me personally, I think the only thing that I would want to see more, and it's just not for this group, but this goes for many other organizations and other businesses that are doing stuff like this is for your paperwork and stuff to be actually updated. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, A lot of things that was given to us is things that we already know. Some of us may not know it or have never seen it. Mm -hmm. So with that, I just want information to be updated. And as far as, you know, I want to say doctors, nurses and all that, you know, as far as, you know, having kids and things like that, yeah, they got to do better and get back into gear with that. Um, with more pamphlets, and then coming out to showing parents um, pretty much what they need to do or, you know, try to help them to the best of their ability. But just like I said, as far as paperwork, it's always outdated. It's always information left behind, which leads us to squirming around, looking, and, you know, doing things at last minute. So I guess that's my only issue. Other than that,
5: I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true we need more we need more like not just statistics
3: mm-hmm. but
5: actual more numbers yeah you know so like that we can really attack where we need to attack the most mm-hmm. to work our way down the line and whatever else needs to be worked on, but it's true we do need our paperwork to be a little bit more updated.
3: That's a really relevant challenge. And parents brought that forth early, too, in terms of being able to access data mm-hmm. that is collected on their communities, about their communities. Uh, mm-hmm. That's another thing. Well, I never heard of that. I never knew there was such an office as the office of the child advocate or a fatality review board. You know, And why do people sit in meetings and talk about us and never talk to us? Mm -hmm. And uh, that challenge, what we've seen as we've, you know, started to look at data from these places um, reflects some of the systems issues. So, you know, for instance, there are reasons and and many times good reasons why certain data isn't so easily and publicly available, even though it's paid for with public dollars. So that's one thing where people ask, well, let's see this. I don't know if I can show you that. And, you know, the other thing is in terms of things being updated, parents have learned it's still a challenge. Things aren't updated just because somebody didn't update them. There's Mm -hmm. not the staff, the money, the resources to keep them updated. Um, And, you know, but I think the challenges have been leading us to great possibilities as Mm -hmm. we plan for the future and our collaboration with um, research agencies that are focused on community-based research, participatory research. So it's helped to guide where we're gonna go. The other challenge I saw was COVID and technology.
4: So oh, yes,
3: COVID's made a- <laughs> by Zoom, right? Now, we didn't have money in our budget to um, have parents get, rent, loan tablets or whatever. Right. Nice. So then you've got people on their phones with various levels of phones, various levels of service, connectability, you know, people being really cooperative, two or three in one room, you know, on mm-hmm. one laptop that might be halfway working. But <laughs> that has been, that's definitely been um, a challenge for us. And the third challenge that I mentioned that's always on my mind is how do you get People who have thought of themselves as, to tell the truth, superior. I'm not saying they're bad people. Mm -hmm. We've all been socialized to be like the more degrees you have, the better. Mm -hmm. The more standard English you speak, the better. You know, the greater your title within your agency, the better you are. So how do people who've been socialized to think that they are the smartest and the best, to know that they need to be students? Mm -hmm. of parents with lived experience in order to have it really work, that they need to step into the parents' world into that classroom Mm -hmm. rather than, say, come into our dominant culture. So that's a challenge that I think we'll have for a while, but it's a really exciting challenge.
5: Yes, because I always said that if I would like to help someone, Is because I've been in their shoes Mm -hmm. and they will understand and relate to me a little bit better than a person that's learning it from a book. Mm -hmm. Because not all books got all that information. You have to walk a mile in people's shoes to really understand, (laughs) respect, know what they're going through, what they went through, and what they're not wanting to see again. And that'll help. And that's where we come in as parents, you know, that we need. It's like I always tell my child, if I want him to respect and listen to me, I need to learn how to listen and respect him Mm -hmm. because he's not going to stay a child forever. And I already molded him as a child and a toddler. So now he's at an age where I tell him he can he has to learn how to make his own decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, so and once my child is all grown up and he's doing his own thing, I want to help my Like, again, my neighbors, Mm -hmm. my community, Mm -hmm. because there's children that are younger than him that's going to need someone else
3: Mm -hmm. to help. I think one of our how to on trying to, you know, get um, people to listen to parents has been to have them present at our stakeholder meetings. Mm -hmm. to um, collect information from them, you know, put it in writing and forward it to people that parents said these are their priorities. These are the issues, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and share some of the learning, um, you know, that parents have said, okay, yeah, people give us these pamphlets right after we've had babies about safe and unsafe sleep. But guess what? I already have three other kids at home. I don't have time to read no pamphlet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Somebody that talks to me. You know, mm-hmm. or how do you send someone out in the community after when I'm home with the baby to mm-hmm. talk to me as I'm doing the things that I'm doing? So uh, sharing parent truth with providers and administrators um, is is a good start. We still have, you know, a lot of work to do on that just because of our culture mm-hmm. and the hierarchies. Mm-hmm. But yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there there was two things that came to mind as all of you were speaking. I think one of the lessons learned or one of the challenges that we had at first was when we first looked at our job description for the parent engagement group, and we realized that language was a barrier. So uh, (laughs) uh, I don't don't remember if Georgina was here, but uh, for for Kayla and Regina, what what was that like? Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: I loved it because, first of all, I wrote the, the job description for the parent engagement group, and I wrote it with the Department of Justice in mind. I wrote it um, as a grant writer of a federal grant. And, you know, like many of us, I live in those two worlds and code switch all the time. And so it was very academic. And I kind of looked at it. And, you know, I haven't always been um, graduate degree, Regina. You know, I started as front porch, Regina.
0: I looked at it
3: as front porch, Regina. I said, this don't make no sense.
1: <laughs>
3: so I put it before the parent group, and they totally rewrote it. And guess what? It makes more sense. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, And I don't know how it would be taken if, say, the chief pediatrician or somebody from the medical examiner's office had the parents rewrite their stuff. <laughs> okay. Now, this is better. But I think that's that's nirvana. When we get to where everybody, you know, on a stakeholder group, yeah, but at least be open to the people who need to use it, you know, mm-hmm. creating it or editing it for us. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I love that meeting. The parents were like, "What does this mean? Like, yeah. why are we using this word? Just say that." Uh, that's <laughs> one of my favorite things. Oh, uh, is one parent that was like, "If you're trying to say that, why don't you just say it?" And right. I was like, that's the disconnect because it just feels like we're not speaking in uh, the same language. Um, the other thing I want to talk about was, uh, Regina, um, I know you, you mentioned at one yes. point, like seeing the parents grow within the stakeholders meeting and speaking up more and just watching their power raise. And I want to talk to Regina about that. And I want to give it to the parents, because I know that was also something that uh, that
3: helps meaningful parent engagement. That um, was so much fun. When we, when parents first started, this was before Siobhan was there, before all three of you were there, when we first started with parents making reports at the stakeholder meeting. They were kind of reading a paper, kind of looking down. The voice was quiet, kind of afraid. You know, it's it, it reminded me of when I took a whole group of young Puerto Rican girls to the state capitol for the first time. And out in the street, they were all bad and talking a lot of crap. We got in the building and they saw a number of elected officials. They all ran in the bathroom, <laughs> and I went to get them and they go, "No, but there's all those white people out there." And they and and they're, you know, they were scared. That's kind of how our parent group started out. But the more that they met amongst themselves, the more they learned, the more they talked, the more confidence. That group <laughs> grew into a group that just about took over the last stakeholder. <laughs> okay. Put it up, well, why about this? Is? How about that? And then after the meeting said, which I thought was a great sign, wait a minute, who put that agenda together? Why aren't we putting together an agenda for the stakeholders meeting? Where's our contribution to what needs to be on the agenda? And that's where it needed to go. That was a moment of victory for me. Those were questions i never asked. I said, okay, now y'all have been to a number of stakeholders meetings.
5: But mm-hmm, so this is the first mm-hmm. time
3: this came up, and I'm glad. So welcome. You will be, you know, contributing to the agenda for all future meetings.
2: So, so I guess for the parents, what do you feel like helps you to embrace the power that you have? Uh, if does that make sense? What what may, helps you feel like? Oh, I can speak up more. I can say more. I should say more. What what helps you feel like? What helps you to own your power?
5: Well, with me, I've always been honest, straightforward. Mm-hmm. Like I always said, I don't got no hair on my tongue.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I just learned how to be a little bit more humble and presenting it a little bit more, better, respectful, and less ghetto. Because uh, I want to draw, like I always say, I want to draw, continue drawing people towards me. I don't want them to run from me. And by me being honest with someone, the same way I want them to be honest with me. So it's just all about, you know, presenting it, the way you present yourself, the way you present whatever you're doing. It has to be honest. It has to be truth. Because then what are you doing? You're gonna be stuck where was when you was where was where you was at in the beginning. But as long as you share your truth and you be honest, it's gonna help you than hurt you. And a lot of people think, oh, like they always say, oh, leave it in the house, whatever happens at home, stay at home. Mm-hmm. No, screw that. You gotta share what's going on at home. Because maybe at home you're not getting that help, but maybe another person, another parent can yeah. help you out. And that's where the change come in. As long as you be honest and forward with it, you'll be good.
2: Yeah. So it's funny. You said something interesting of, like, essentially you had to change how you were presenting to be heard. Yes. And I think that's a little, honestly, it makes me feel sad because it's like, why can't you be heard? For who you you are. are. Mm -hmm.
5: Because it was scaring people because I was sharing it with anger. And I was sharing it with
2: hurt
3: Mm-hmm. Instead
5: of sharing it passionately and from the heart, I was always like a dog attacking mm-hmm. with rabies, and I didn't want to be that. I want to be a puppy that want to be loved and want to be held and caressed. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't mm-hmm. want to continue being that hateful person. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to continue being that mean person and that ugly side of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to break that. Like I said, keep repeating. I want to break the The cycle. cycle. Mm -hmm.
2: Wow. We could could spend a whole session.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, well, for me, I'm very outspoken. You may not think so, because I stay here very quiet, (laughs) very subtle. (laughs) But I am very outspoken. I say... I say my truth um, and everybody has to accept me the same way I accept them for who they are. I don't allow people to change who I am, my demeanor and things like that. Me, I have to do it within myself. And I'm not going to lie and say like, we all have not been there, you know, being all angry, being very strong about stuff. Um, but I, (laughs) I used to be like Georgina and a bunch of other people. You know what I'm saying? I used to be very angry because I wasn't being hurt. Mm -hmm. I, and for me, I had to take a step back because I know that I'm a queen. I know that I am a king in my own castle. Mm
5: -hmm. So
4: nobody can't take that from me. I will continue being me and everybody will just have to follow suit at some point in time in life. I can't be responsible for everybody else, um, but I can try my best. Uh, uh, I, I can try my best to assist those who do have difficult times in, in understanding anything from language barriers to, you know, just voicing yourself. I like to be heard. So my power is always going to be there. I show up to everything. So I'm always going. You will always see me, (laughs) whether up front or either in the backspace. I will always be there. So it's just the humbleness of it all. And I continue to keep that. I don't like it. But you know what? I continue to keep that. Because if I don't, then it leads down to a darker path that we ain't ready for.
2: <laughs> I love that because essentially from, uh and you said so much, one of the things that stood out to me was like your self-worth.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
2: if you maintain your self-worth and, and, and keeping that, that's going to help you to, to embrace your power. That's great. Um, I want to ask uh, another question. So uh if we're wildly successful, right? Mm-hmm. If, if this is exactly what we want, <laughs> what, what, what is, what is it going to look like in five years? What's going to be different in five years because of this parent engagement?
4: Well, one, with us, with all of parents, let's say this: we will be facilitators. We will be the number one on the scene. We will be, you know, doing focus groups. You know, us holding our own things. Um, you know, from focus groups to parent groups to any group. We will be able to do that and we will be able to school others on it. And hopefully that will make them join and connect um, as well as kids. They will be jumping on board to do the same thing. Um, I don't. Let's see. Again, surveys, you know, going out into the community, doing those things, asking those type of questions. Oh, I can't wait for it to be so big. I could see it trust mm-hmm. me I, it's just so much it's just so much
2: the so parents are initiating parents. yes
4: elderly,
5: we them. are taking power yes and what i would like to what i see myself in five years doing with this group yeah. is bringing back what i had growing up trips mm-hmm. for the those un- unfortunate children that can't afford to go on vacations to disney world But we can take them to the lake or to the ocean or go roller skating. You know, the summer trips that we used to go and retreats and stuff, camping. And I remember having to go to Harper High and pick up lunches to go on a a beach trip in Mm -hmm. the summertime. Mm -hmm. Or I want to bring back like the times that not so much, yeah, the technology is gonna be our future, but it's more hands-on. Let's have fun. Let's go and um just play outside you Mm -hmm. know do things that will be beneficial Mm -hmm. you know and that it will be a better place in a better world if we all were to just get everybody together Mm
2: -hmm. you know so kind of like you initiating the things that you thought yes the
5: thing that works for me growing up that I still take dear to my heart that even though I was kind of fast And even though all this miserable stuff was happening Mm -hmm. to me at home, I still have my community and my project where I grew up at. Take me places where I can have fun Mm -hmm. and not forget that I was a child Child, first before I became an an adult. adult. And that's what I want. I don't want children. I want children to enjoy their childhood and don't Mm -hmm. grow up so fast.
3: Mm -hmm. I want to, in five Mm -hmm. years, I think that we won't hear people. The response won't be. I never heard of that. Exactly. Right. Yep. Parents will be doing the array, awareness raising that we should be able to see, I dare say, a measurable increase of mm-hmm. people knowing where to go get help. Mm-hmm. Also, in five years, I see parents at the uh, city hall, the city council mm-hmm. meeting, more parents at the uh, legislature, Uh advocating for Mm -hmm. resources, for systems change. Uh, I see public servants having more awareness of themselves as just that and listening to to parents. And I see more um, access and understanding of data and and research.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I see parent and community initiated research. Well, parents will be asking the questions.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I mean this has been great so far. I think I would like to close this off by just uh how about we say um, how would we say something that you feel like uh the audience, the community, et cetera, needs to know about parent engagement uh, as as we close off.
4: All right. Um, Me, Kayla, you have a voice, you have power, and I need you to trust the process.
5: Me, Georgina, I have where it is that um, a change is coming and always be honest no matter if it hurts or not and just Accept the help that's there, mm-hmm. you know, and ask for the help. Don't just stay quiet anymore, you know, because our voice is powerful. And if we want change and if we want better futures for our children, then we need to be their voice sometimes. So, like that, they can be the voice for their children
3: mm-hmm.
5: and just keep going.
2: Yeah, I uh, will have Regina close out with hers. Uh, I think. Uh, mine would be for especially for the facilitators out there and the organizations and institutions uh, be okay with, with things being messy or not mm-hmm. organized. Mm-hmm. Allow people's hearts to be able to come out because that is where you'll find the gold. Mm-hmm. Um, that is where you'll see real change. Um, and then allow those people that that have those, those
3: experiences to lead. I guess my final words are one just I love this. I love the parents. I love the work. Mm-hmm. There is so much wisdom and so much well as we say experience strength and hope mm-hmm. is is right there there's so much courage and I've honored to work with all my front porch brothers and sisters you know no matter <laughs> no matter you know what we achieve or what people name us or confer upon us we all just start out sitting on the front porch, rocking mm-hmm. and i I think that's almost like where we need to meet um to keep doing our business with our heads and our hearts
5: mm-hmm. so
3: um I guess that that would be my closing thing is just bring your whole self to uh bring your whole self to an experience, yes, yeah.
1: Well, this is Jen with the Collective Impact Forum team, and uh, Kayla, Georgina, Regina, Siobhan, I cannot thank you enough for joining us for such a rich conversation and sharing, as Regina said, such wisdom, experience, strength, courage, and hope. I mean, that really uh, sums it up so well. So I'm honored to learn with you all and from you all, and thank you for the generosity of your time today and for the incredible work you're doing for the the children in the community in Hartford. Thank you so much. You're You're welcome. Thank
5: you. Thank you.
0: And this closes out this special replay of a past episode of the Collective Impact Forum podcast. If you're interested in learning more about what was discussed, you can find links to resources in the footnotes for this episode. And if you're enjoying all that we share at the Collective Impact Forum podcast, we encourage you to rate us on your preferred podcast platform and share your favorite episodes with colleagues. We would like to acknowledge that this episode was produced and edited on the unceded traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the Duwamish, Suquamish, Stilquamish, and Muckleshoot tribes. We honor with gratitude the land itself and the past, present, and futures of these tribes. The intro music for this episode is composed by Raphael Crooks and our outro music is composed by Kevin McLeod. In forum news, we're excited to share that registration is open for a number of upcoming online events. On December 12th and 13th, we have our primer course, Introduction to Collective Impact and the Backbone Role. This is a great foundational course for anyone wanting to learn more about collective impact. Registration closes on December 8th. And we just launched registration for the 2024 Collective Impact Action Summit that will be held online next year on April 30th through May 2nd, 2024. It's our biggest learning event of the year, and we hope you will join us. Please visit our event section at our website at collectiveimpactforum.org if you'd like to join any of these upcoming events. This is Tracy Timmons-Gray, Associate Director here at the Collective Impact Forum and your podcast producer. I want to say thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you more in our next episode. Until next time, let's keep working towards collective impact.